Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the 55th edition of Cinema Effect. I'm Zach, and I'm joined by Disney's number one hater, Jaden. G'day. G'day. And when you used this nickname the other day, Jaden, I loved it. But I, I want to kind of leave it as your thing. I don't want to steal it, but I just want to acknowledge that I loved the uh, Cinema Effect's number one. Of, no, most popular member on Letterboxd, right? That was great. That was great. A.K.A. John Cena, A.K.A. Fitzy, A.K.A. Liam. Hello. Just adding to his catalogue. Yeah, mm. yeah. It only expands. How do you feel that you only have two nicknames and he's just, it's going up there for him? No, I'm happy with my two. Yeah? yeah. How do you feel that you're one not often reoccurring one? What, uh, Sir Castle, the Schofield kid, or? I mean, so, yeah, I mean, like, Schofield kid's kind of been neglected, hasn't it? It really has, yeah. Mm. I'm actually surprised I remembered that from, like, episode eight. 50 episodes yeah. ago. Oh, my God, that's crazy. Let's not get nostalgic. Because, ladies and gentlemen, this is Cinema Effect. It's a podcast where we review and talk about a different movie every single Monday. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, and all the podcast apps. So please subscribe. Let us know what you think. Follow us on Instagram. Check us out. As always, we'd love you to submit your questions, thoughts, reviews for next week's film in the YouTube comment section or send us a DM. DM? DM? DM. Direct message, as the kids call it, on Instagram. You can do that. That's open there for you. Our specific question of the show is going to be, what is your favourite MCU thing? Can You know, there's way more movies than shows, but there are now two complete shows. So if one of them's your favourite, that's great. But your favourite MCU movie or show, let us know and we'll read them out at the end of next week's show and that'll be fun. This week we're reviewing The Bourne Legacy, which opened in the US on the 10th of August 2012. It was directed by Tony Gilroy, which is interesting considering he wrote the screenplays for all three of them, but now he's jumping behind the camera here. The genre genre is an action thriller, and the synopsis reads, an expansion of the universe from Robert Ludlum's novels centered on a new hero whose stakes have been triggered by the events of the previous three films. All right. Fitzy, I need you to go. Just go. What do you think? I don't know. Yeah, it was average. Um, I mean, yeah, significant drop off, I guess. Um, uh, I don't know. It wasn't the worst movie, but it had some pretty bad moments. But overall, it was just pretty run of the mill, you know. So, yeah. I mean, the most disappointing thing is the the gap, so so to speak, in the you know movie quality. But oh yeah, it wasn't terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it, Jaden. I mean, I, I was um I was pleased and disappointed because I, I I genuinely didn't know I I I thought that Jeremy Renner had been recast as Bourne for like a prequel type of film. I didn't realize that this was a separate story. So learning that this was a a new hero, I was like, oh cool. But then it falls, it follows too closely to what Bournes were previously. You know, you have this new film, you have this new Bourne film, new hero, new character. You know, it's the legacy of Bourne. But yet, it is just another Bourne film, just reskinned, you know. I think that's where my biggest issue comes with it, because like I think everything was, you know, you know, fine, good, you know, but like it was just far too similar. Yeah, yeah. I I really wanted to hear what you guys thought about it immediately, because uh, for me, it was I had an interesting time watching it. Um, I was I was disappointed, but in a way, I wasn't expecting. You know, I was I was talking a few times. I think in our previous born stuff about how I'm scared to jump into this movie and um because I know it's sort of mediocrely received and stuff but this movie was was mediocre and but I I, I was expecting to jump into it and just watch an average like exactly what you're saying an average born thing that they try and replicate and it's just boring but it wasn't that though like if I was reviewing the first half of the movie I'd tell you it was a pleasant surprise I'd tell you it was cool and I really appreciate the story direction and the fact that they're very much the, it's the born legacy and that's what they're going with exploring the the universe in much more detail and actually focusing on the effects that what Jason does in the trilogy would have on other people and other agents and the implications on the government and everything I think that's it. that's all really cool stuff um but the second half oh my god it just it went from like I was watching the first half and I was like dude this is a this is a 7 or an 8 like this is this is good this is genuinely engaging me right here and wow it just sucked in the second half that they dropped the ball so hard shane jacobs rocks up 
Dude, that was surprising. That was hilarious, dude. That was great. Good for him. And he's just himself, too. He just plays himself. Mm, Yeah. And, but dude, I was surprised Tony Gilroy wrote this as I was watching. I didn't know until the credits hit. Because I thought they were trying. I thought if Tony Gilroy's going to write a a script like this about the legacy of his movie universe, because it really is his movie universe, you know, that he conceptualized not the, obviously the, the novels and stuff but as we've talked about plenty of times the movies go on their own path and don't follow the books really at all so i would have thought someone else wrote this shit but man he wrote it and he just he really drove it into the ground at the end there ended with a really bad taste in my mouth and i don't know does a really really does a disservice to the good stuff in this franchise and the good stuff in this movie it sucks but yeah, it, I guess what I'm saying is it was a story of a 180 for me. It was, it went up and in and it crashed. It crashed so hard. Really? Yeah. Did you think it was average the whole time? Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, but I also felt that like the first half was a bit more to blame because I felt there was just like a lot of um um what's the word exposition. Yeah, yeah, like, a lot of exposition in the first half, whereas, like, and, like, the FBI guys don't really, like, it's not until the last, like, 40 or so minutes that the FBI and, you know, new Jeremy Renner guy actually know each other exist and one's chasing the other. Um, But the rest of the film is kind of... I mean, I actually like, I like the... I think the best part of the movie is the Renner and... Um, Oscar Isaac part in the um the cabin. Yeah, I thought that was that was that was pretty good. Um, and like you know the walls and stuff. That part was okay. But then once we get back on the once once Renner gets on the road and he's just like a boring character and that other <laughs> Rachel yeah. sites or whatever you know. Whites. Not that whites. Well, not that interesting. But um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like um, it's half. It, I get what you're saying, Zach. In the sense, it's like two different movies, kind of, because that's how I felt. Yeah. If it wanted to be a yeah. Bond movie, it could have done that, like you know, set up chasing him from the start. But the first half is more like, um, well, not the first half. The first third with the Kevin stuff is interesting. Then it kind of changes. The exposition. It's fair. It, it honestly didn't really bother me here. It was just maybe it's just because I was so into the ideas they were they were exploring. The Oscar Isaac cabin stuff is uh, is awesome, and I it's more like it's too short for me to really you know sit here and say oh my god I'm going to defend that part of the movie because you know well, how long is it really? It's not that extensive, so it's more the idea of that, and it's just cool seeing other Treadstone agents and other agents out there and. Aaron Cross is is his name, right? Jeremy Renner's character, yeah. I think. I like all the flashbacks we get with him earlier on and he's sort of developing a mind of his own, is sort of his arc. Um, he's sort of developing a conscience and that's the reason he's sort of out on this no patrol and he meets with Oscar Isaac, who's clearly been through the same thing. Um, they're out in the woods. But then it kicks all into high gear when they're out there and the government tries to bloody... <laughs> Poor Oscar Isaac got obliterated by that missile. That's completely destroyed. Um, when the government tries to take them out, as a direct result of Jason Bourne in Ultimatum, you know his actions threatening to expose the entire organisation. So they just try and, you know, read the evidence, terminate everyone. And I think that's a cool plot for this movie. And but was Renner Treadstone Blackbriar or something else? Um, he was. They called him Outcome. Is he is Outcome the same as Blackbriar, or is it a different thing? He was Outcome Five. I th- okay, I think Outcome is different then, because like that med okay. thing wasn't a Blackbriar thing either, was it? I think I he. Don't... I think he was, but there was near the end when you get to the the Asian agent. He's like a different. He was a, yeah. Yeah, they call him something so something different. Larks. They call him Larks. L A R X. Yeah. 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 Terrible. Um. The funny thing was, he wasn't even that great. Like, 
he sucked. He just chased him. He kept missing. He kept fucking. Up. He kept falling off his bike. Like, yeah. He's when he like, goes like right into the fruit market. Yeah. Flies yeah. Into it. They set him up as like you know an agent better than a born or a Tristone agent, like no emotions or whatever. But he's just you know gets kicked off a bike by a you know civilian. So, but that was yeah. and that was the only thing that made him unique was the fact that he had no emotion. Like, so he's just Terminator, basically. But he's a, he's a shit he's shit Terminator in this movie, in this third act. Yeah. Is his whole thing, dude. Oh, that was terrible. Um, the whole I thought the whole third act was borderline terrible. I, like, the whole... Dude, what a total underwhelming action sequence. Like, the whole thing, it just sucked. Yeah, um, yeah. Really sucked. Um, but I do want to... I want to, I don't know, try and paint the picture a little bit why I did like the first half so much. Um like I said, I think the plot's really cool. I like how it ties into the original trilogy. I wonder, do you, would you guys think that casual people or maybe people haven't seen like Bourne movies in years, if they, if you're watching this in a theater in 2012, would be really confused. Because like the only reason I understood what was happening like at the start properly was because I just watched Ultimatum. But at the same time, you're not wrong. There's plenty of exposition. But no, it's, I think they'd be, they should be, you should be able to crap onto this. You reckon but the way they sort of just cut into – um, not Kill Bill, the guy who I called Kill Bill, is definitely not Kill Bill. Like the scene with him and he's like, and we're back with Simon Ross again. And he's, you know what I mean? I only sort of understood oh, right, the context right, of that. Because yeah. that's what kickstarts the plot, you know? If you've seen the first three, you should be able to be brought up to speed. But if you're going into just legacy, I don't, you won't be able to pick it up. Yeah, maybe. But, but sorry, that's what I liked about it. I liked that. And this is the distinction for me between the first and second half is that the first half isn't just another Bourne movie to me. It isn't just, uh, you know, Jason Bourne wannabe goes on an adventure. It's like, no, this is a continuation. This is reliant on these other films. And it's cool that the plot does that. But instead, the second half totally negates that and just turns into, yeah, it turns into exactly what I just what I didn't want and what the first half wasn't for me. It was just Bourne ripoff flying around. Where were they? The Philippines doing whatever really bad really bad plot devices i don't know it was because it was the thing for me of the the oscar isaac character was cool um and the little shots we get of other treadstone black Briar, whatever dude i'm just going to call them treadstone agents it's like 80 agencies but the treadstone agents the other ones that we see sort of across the world the, the, the way they get terminated um, um rachel rachel wise's little doctor appointments i liked more world building and um, I like the scene where they all get drugged, you know, stuff like that. That's sort of just adding to the, to the universe here. I was enjoying all that stuff. What about the doctor, doctor shooting up the, um, the facility or whatever? I thought that was okay. I thought that was quite tense. Yeah. I thought that was an eight out of 10 scene. I thought mm. that was a great scene. I was genuinely, as I was watching that, I'm like, dude, people don't like this movie. This is tense. This is, I was, I was in, I was like, this is great. No, nah, but I totally get it after watching the rest of the movie. But I appreciate you shouting that out because I really liked that. I thought that was a really good scene. And it got me invested in Rachel Wise's character and her trauma, like convincingly for the rest of the film, which I think the film does do a good job of that. Because, you know, when Jeremy Renner's trying to have a conversation with her and she's like freaking out the entire time, like sometimes I'd find that obnoxious in characters, just like, I sound like the most unsympathetic person ever. No, it's, it's 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 entirely fair. That's you, you think it's such yeah, an annoying trait. It's just like, dude, just can you say what you're trying to say, please? Because she's like mumbling and stuff and can't speak. But I, because I felt like I was in the scene that she experiences what she experienced. I, I, I totally resonated. I understood. So, at what point did you start withdrawing from it? Then probably. The car trip when they escape her house and everything after, I think is actually, it's probably, honestly, if you look at the runtime, it's probably pretty spot on to halfway, honestly. Yeah. Maybe a bit after. Because what, what does come um, after that other than just flying to Philippines? And... Yeah, but they take ages to do that. They're like hanging in a hotel room and they, the, the conversation on the side of the road goes for ages and then they, um, all that is pretty extended. Um, but yeah, honestly, but you're not wrong. They're actually like from a story perspective, there isn't a whole lot afterwards. So that was my turning point. I liked the scene at the house. I thought Jeremy Renner had that cool 
kill when he like scaled all in one shot. He scaled the house and like dived through the window and shot the guy. That was a cool shot. Wait, is that what happened? Wait, hold on. Is this the when he first? Wait, sorry, was that later on or was that the first thing that when he first the first kill he got? No, it wasn't the first kill. Definitely because when he first came in, did he just burst out of the cupboard or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So was he hiding in the cupboard or some shit? Like, yeah, yeah, he was waiting for it in the cupboard. Okay, right. I was, I was was so confused. I was like, how the fuck did he get there? Where did he come from? (laughs) Yeah. Um. No, yeah, no, he was, but that that was fine because the movie made the the whole thing. Which oh my god, I can't, I can't. The whole thing in this movie is that he needs his chems. It's like it. He needs his chems. <laughs> it's like, mm. but Bourne never needed chems. What is this? You know, it's a different age. It's a different program, I guess. I know, but it's just, it's just, I don't know. It didn't work for me. And then the whole, I didn't understand the motivation of the third act. Really, he says he has the it's conversation. Like, he's. Like, it's like to make it permanent. She's yeah, yeah, yeah. To make his intel, his blue chems, his intelligence, the 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 psychological ones, right? The, to boost them permanently. But and why? His phys- physical status, I think. But his physical was already boosted permanently because he felt like a oh, nobody no. prior to it, or something. Wasn't that the? Th- well, wasn't that it, the? I think he. Was no, it? no, I think his mind deteriorates if he doesn't do it. Because there's small moments in the film where he's like, you know, zoning out for a second, and the whole thing is that it, it's really small. But for a second, he talks to White. Is like, do you know what happens when you like, you know, lose all these like you points at once? You know, your mind goes bang or whatever. So he's like, he's gonna die because there's no chems left or whatever. So he needs to like make the transition permanent. But is that just him, or is that everyone else in his in his in outcome? Well, everyone else in the outcome died because they swapped out the chems for that fatal one. Yeah, but, like, are they also, like, I, I meant to, uh, I didn't get any of the The movie failed to communicate to this to me, obviously. So he needs his chems to survive. Like, did everyone else need the chems to survive? Yeah. Is that the function of outcome? I they need the chems so. to live. Yeah. Because, like, when he was at Isaac's place, they were, like, you know, the, the chems was a top priority because... You know, okay. I think there was a threat of dying or whatever. Because he didn't have his chem, so he went over the mountain to get to his house or whatever. Yeah, okay. So he, he sees Bourne on, like, the um the television at the airport or whatever. Um, yeah. So I thought he was going to, like, seek him out or something, you know. And at the end specifically. That'd be um, cool. Like, at the end, he's at, like, the I- like there's islands around him. And I thought it'd be, like... Ah, oh. He's going um, Greece or whatever. Like a Luke Skywalker, you know, Skelly guy or something. On Netflix, it said um, it had like 10 minutes left and they're on the boat. And I was like, oh, this is cool. They're going to, it's going to be like a, you know, Skelly Isles moment with um with Luke. He's going to chuck his, chuck his gun, you know, over the cliff or whatever. Um, <laughs> but, and there, that's actually. There for some reason. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. But um, anyway, um, the, the, no, just saying. Um, like the dialogue when I was thinking that is actually like the ending dialogue. So the music went on, and that that moment I was having that thought, and I thought, I don't know. I thought the music would go end on a a better moment or something, a little more. Yeah. So, I mean. But like, um, the main thing I thought about today was like, um, the reason the music is like one of the reasons the music is so good in the originals the original three, original trilogy or whatever, is um, it feels kind of like a release from the the escalating, you know, the escalation of the film because like all three of the Bourne films are kind of like start from a place like they're chasing Bourne or he's getting to them and it just gets wilder and wilder, whereas it didn't feel like a release in this because, I mean, there's hardly any tension in the actual chasing or any kind of feeling that anything was in danger so it kind of just felt felt strange um when the music hit so in every one of these movies except identity for me but when it hits extreme ways it's like every time we're like yo this this is sick you know and that's the common consensus every time we say that and it just didn't didn't really do it did it what what, what's even the dialogue okay it's so forgettable what do they say like Um, i thought we were gonna get lost and I, i hope we do is that what they say He's like, oh, I'm, 
there's so many options on finding where we can go. It's just like, um, oh, I was hoping we were lost. Dun, 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 dun. Oh. And that's it, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I think that's it, yeah. So, okay. As I mentioned, I, I like Aaron Cross personally, you know, like I, I honestly, like he's not by no means an incredible character, but maybe it's just I like they make an effort to sort of distinguish him from Jason Bourne. It's not just, oh, he's Jason Bourne 2.0 because we couldn't have Matt Damon. He does feel like a different character because um, he's sort of a smart ass and he sort of, but he, and he has like, we had that sniper moment with him, which is something we never really saw Bourne actually snipe people. You know, I know he had a sniper, but we, you know, so there's enough there. I'm like, okay, this feels different enough. Wait, and what scene was that? When he like sniped the the drone. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. Oh yeah, and remember when he put he put that goddamn poor wolf man? He put that tracker in the wolf's mouth, and it got wrecked. I feel bad for the wolf. I mean, why why could he just chuck it away? Like, like why do you have to put it in the wolf? It's a great point. He went to all that effort to put it in the wolf's mouth. He could just drop it on the ground. I think because then it looked like he was moving, you know, like he was running away. Right. Yeah. yeah if he if if he was just like sitting there, it looked a bit odd. Well, if he like tossed it, and you know, like he's like, oh, he's recovering, hiding for a second or some shit. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I thought it was kind of a cool moment, though, to be honest. <laughs> and he like cuts it out of him. I thought that was cool. Cuts it out of himself. Um. But yeah. So I like. You know, I do like him enough, and I like. Rachel Wise's character, for the reasons I mentioned, I'm invested in her trauma. I, I dig that. Um, and I like their relationship isn't presented overtly romantic. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, that's what it, that, that is what it is. But, like, I don't think they kiss, if memory serves. I don't think they do. Um, there's not, so I sort of like that the movie plays up the fact that their bond is one that they're here to serve each other. Um, they're both sort of by happenstance in the same sort of situation on the run from the government for the same reasons, tied up in the same organisation. So to sort of come together for that reason, help each other for that reason. I like that as sort of a relationship dynamic. Um, I like it way more than Born and Marie personally in, in identity. I, I, I like it more. But still though, still when we get to the end, it's just, it's whatever. I would have liked a stronger character moment or something. I mean, I was going to use that as a way to transition Edward Norton. Do you guys? Are you guys happy with that? <laughs> I forgot he was in the movie. There's yeah, a lot of surprises, like like him, Oscar Isaac, Shane. Was yeah, 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 no, totally. Rachel as well. I was like, oh, jeez. Yeah, no, there was, I actually had a moment when, in her first scene, I'm like, that's not Rachel Wise, is it? Because I sort of like couldn't believe like she'd also be in this movie, considering at that point like Edward Norton was in it and Oscar Isaac. I'm like, really? Mm. No, obviously it was. And like Paddy Considine was in the first one. I was like, well, are they bringing him back? I'll, like the first scene, I was like, didn't he die? Was, yeah, that was obviously a flashback or whatever prequel, sequel. Who, who's who does he play? The reporter. Oh yeah, yeah. So they, you know, they it's got a solid cast and they bring people back and they bring Pam and Noah back. At the end, in that really awkward scene, that has no place in the movie. Everything I've talked about about liking this movie so far, and the the world building, and some of the character stuff, right? There's no bigger botch in this movie than the way they completely did nothing with Edward Norton. Talk about underutilized, dude. He's just another. He's just how many of these army of these CIA, you know, sitting in a boardroom. You know, looking at, pull that up on the big screen, people. Have we seen in these movies? He's just another one. I was let down by it. I was really let down by it. Especially, I thought at the start he had a different sort of gravitas to him. I'm like, okay, this is cool. We're setting up perhaps probably the strongest villain we've seen in the series so far. I'm like, cool. The scene that he has with Jeremy Renner when they're, I don't know, I don't know where they are, overseas somewhere, and he has a conversation with Jeremy Renner. And that's like in the first. I think that's in the first act. That's pretty early in the movie. So naturally, my my cogs are going, okay, these two have a past. They have a relationship. They're setting this up. And it's going to, you know, the film is sort of going to build around their dynamic and their sort of face-off. They never interact again. They don't speak. As as Fitzy pointed out earlier, I think or maybe one of you pointed out earlier, very rightly, like he only understands that he's alive like in the last half an hour. That's Edward Norton, understands that Jeremy Renner is alive so late. 
I think he's kind of miscast because, I mean, I think in every other movie I've seen him in, he plays like a normal guy or someone that's not. Like, he's, he's always got a normal guy-ish Wait, you call quality. Hulk a normal guy? <laughs> and, yeah. Like a civilian sort of level. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I know, yeah. I, yeah, I get what you're saying, totally. And, you know, that could just be like a... I don't want to say typecast because... Like what, an archetype in your brain for it? Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, maybe he can act outside of that, but it kind of feels like, you know, I don't know, he's a bit miscast, I guess. Did you? What do you think of him, Jaden? Any particular thoughts? Just sort of forgettable? No, I I honestly forgot he was in it until you mentioned him just then. I was, uh, you know, because... He kind of plays the scene. It's it's what you're saying. He's there for the first 20 minutes, pretty prevalent, but then falls into the background. To me, it felt like someone else wrote the first half of the movie. Like, who writes that scene in there where they talk to each other and then not in any way wish to pay that off or wish to explore that that the relationship more? They clearly have some sort of understanding. Of, they have a relationship. They know each other. But, like, why? It doesn't – they don't even have – the story that unfolds, they don't need to know each other. It doesn't make any – it's just so bizarre, weird choices. Um, and I don't know. I think there's so many – considering the fact that where the story goes – the whole thing ends up just being about old mate Jeremy Renner needs his meds, so they go to the Philippines to get the meds, and then they escape, and that's literally, that's literally it. There's nothing else to it, and it's just so unsatisfying. I never want to be one of these people that's like, I could have done it better because Lord knows I'm not a screenwriter, okay? But just, it's not hard. Take the first half, first half of the movie is fine, okay? And I, I'm telling you, I can rewrite this. I can restructure this for you, okay? Do even if you wanted to keep most of it the same and like just switch out the ending to just be someone interesting, have one of the two, um, one of either Jerry Marin or Rachel Wise die, just something, you know what I mean? To have the other then have to, I don't know, something like that. That's not a specific idea. My actual specific idea is that you freaking use Edward Norton when you cast him and you have the whole movie, you keep the first half the same, keep the scene where they talk to each other. I really like the scene. Edward Norton says to him like, Bro, if you're in this, what is, he says something to the effect of, if you're in this, you've sort of got to forget your conscience. Just, you know, this is what we're doing. It's what, what, cast aside. Don't think about it. Is essentially what he says, right? He essentially says, suck it up. Just kill the people. Kill the human beings, right? Cool scene. And I think it works for what Aaron goes through. But, man, make this movie. Change it. Make it so, like, they both become aware of each other's Aaron is very much aware and talking about the fact he knows Edward Norton is coming after him. Edward Norton knows that Aaron is alive way earlier. And you have the whole thing of like these two forces in the plot are like leading to an obvious face-off in the end. They're like, you know, Jerry Moran is running away. Norton's chasing him the whole movie, the whole movie. And then they have a confrontation at the end. One of them dies or something. I don't know. It sounds way more interesting. And then you can actually have more flashbacks with them, um, show that they got along at some point. Now I'm sorry. Now I'm just doing fanfic, but kind of sounds like a like like, yeah, like you know how in the first John Wick how like Wick and Michael Blomquist's character like meet on like the pier at the end and it's raining and it's like a big confrontation and like Wick's been chasing him the entire time and now he's got to face him. Is that kind of what you want? Sure. Yeah. Just something to make this conflict interesting because it's really not. That would, I think, it would do something the Bourne franchise has never done, and that sort of actually play off of not just have another CIA boardroom guy, actually play off of the fact that he has a relationship with the main character, um, add that into the dynamic, add that into the conflict, adds a bit of tension, you know, if you sort of know what both sides are doing. It just fell flat. I was thinking of any way for it to make this remotely have a bit more depth from a character perspective, you know. Decided to change the org petition, get it reshot. Yeah, release, oh, God. Dude, I was going to say the Gilroy cut, but this is the goddamn Gilroy cut. I don't want to see this shit. <laughs> now we're going to make a cinema effect effect cut. The cinema release the cinema cut. Make our own legacy movie. They, they, I don't know what studio finances this movie, but they put in $50 million to make the cinema effect cut. And we're like on set, I'm like on set directing Jeremy Renner like. <laughs> uh, we just scalp all the money and like use Lego to like, you know, read, like do some action scenes or some shit. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. 50 million in our pockets and that's it, you know. I mean, we could always just have Luke as Jeremy Renner and um, 
And he plays the Asian guy. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah. He plays bloody Oh my god. Oh, I can't talk I can't rant about him again. We already did that. Talk Although, about like... he shouldn't be if it was I mean he probably shouldn't be in the movie if we were to make remake that, you know. No, God no. Oh my lord. I no. I'd play Shane Jacobs. Sure. I wouldn't play his character, I'd play him, yeah. <laughs> I'm about as attractive as Rachel Wise, right? So I can be here, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just yeah, almost. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, I don't know, Fitzy can be Oscar Isaac, sure. Edward Norton. Oh, he can be Edward Norton. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. He can be my my rewritten Edward Norton. Anyway, with the with the Larks guy, the, uh, the, the, the Asian Terminator guy, dude, what? It's the most generic third act beat person thing to throw into the plot, right? Isn't it like... Jeremy is on the run, run. He needs something to fight in the scene. Um, and it, it, but the, it's like the movies knows this. <laughs> so you, you literally like in the last fifteen minutes have Edward Norton like have to narrate this scene where he's like, "There was another program, an even better, more powerful recruit." <laughs> and it's like the show. <laughs> We've never seen this guy before. <laughs> it's terrible. It's so bad. If you're writing this movie and you get to the third act and you realize you need this goddamn Terminator person. Could you at least have the courtesy to write a scene with him in it in the first act to make it not seem so random, you know? Oh, at least you could say, oh, I've seen him before. Edward Norton can call him and say, be on standby or some shit. Honestly, honestly, that sounds like terrible when we say it like that, but like it would be better than what we got. Do you guys like the scooter chase scene? I think I already said I don't like it. Oh, yeah, that was pretty bad. It was just it's a just... lesser version of it. It, it, it. Everything in this film is essentially a lesser version of previous stuff. Yeah, yeah. From a uh, from a plot and I mean, like I said, this scenes I like, but from a plot and action perspective, totally. I, I appreciate that they tried in the premise of this movie. In the execution, definitely not. But I appreciate that we t- uh, touched on it. Like I appreciate that they tried to do something that was like a pre sequel, tying it in adding to the universe and all that instead of just getting Matt Damon back and doing another one of these, you know, like instead of just having a band reunion, uh, which I fear is what the next one's going to be. And especially considering that, oh, trivia. Wow. Originally a fourth installment for Jason Bourne was planned. However, Matt Damon and Paul Greengrass didn't like the script. Paul Greengrass didn't want to return as director and Damon would uh, would have returned only if Paul did. So after that, Tony Gilroy would rework his script into a Bourne spin-off. So this was meant to be just another Matt Damon movie, you know, which I think, I think we can agree after Ultimatum would have just felt weird. Like that was such a solid conclusion, you know, like I don't need to see Matt Damon again. No, it's a trilogy. In another story. Exactly. Which is funny saying that considering that's literally the next movie we're going to do in the series is that is Paul Greengrass and Matt Damon. (laughs) I think, yeah, I said it all and repeated it multiple times. So I'll give it a five. Thought it was average. Should have been so much better. Fitzy? Yeah. Five out of ten, yep. Jaden? Same. Same. Hey. <laughs> it's like one of the few occasions where we can agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, usually we're in like a similar ballpark, but really yeah. we land on the same numbers. I was going to make another comment, but we're truly done with this movie. Uh, Let's get into news chat. There's a fair bit to get through, but we'll go. We'll see what happens. Michael Keaton is 100% Batman in the Flash. There was a story a couple weeks ago. We didn't talk about it, you know, whatever. But didn't need to at the time. That he 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 was all concerned about COVID in the UK. He was like, I don't know if I'm going to go over there and film The Flash, so don't start assuming I'm in the movie. Because he was previously reported to be in the movie. He's like, I don't know if I'll be in the movie, but he's in the movie. So, cool. I'm just excited for the fact, I mean, uh, people who like Batman 89 will be stoked to see him in the movie, but I just think it's cool that we're getting Ben Affleck and bloody, what's his face, Michael Keaton in the same movie as Batman. That's kind of funny. And I feel like DC are just doing their own Spider-Man 3 thing. Like, <laughs> they're sort of, I feel like the same movie. We're just going to get random news stories about X person is in this, is in The Flash or Spider-Man 3. And it just feels like the same thing because it's always shocking. Because but... wasn't there the same news this week about Dr. Octopus' character? 
Like like hundred percent confirmation. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't want to bring it up just because how many times have we talked about it? And I mean, I think I think it was already obvious to everyone on the planet that all those crossovers are definitely happening. But you know, if anyone out there listening right now had one percent of doubt that Spider Man Three was going to have all those people in it, then it's been removed because old mate Doc Ock confirmed it. So you literally said it. So yeah. Are you a fan of Michael Keaton as Batman Fitzy? I don't know about this. I don't think it's not. It's not bad, I guess. Okay. No, yeah, but like which uh, original? Oh, is he the original? He's oh, in eighty nine and Returns, the Tim Burton films. Yeah, yeah. The two, yeah, yeah. And then it's I like Returns. Yeah. 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 All right. Very good. Figueroa is shooting in Old Mate Australia, New South Wales. In 2022, we've talked about this a few times. It's the Mad Max Fury Road prequel starring, you guessed it, Furiosa, played by Jaden's favourite, Anya Taylor-Joy, and my favourite too, to be honest. Um, and Chris Hemsworth is also in it. Have your thoughts about this shifted at all, Jaden? Because I know uh, is it the first time we talked about this, it was sort of just like, why are they doing this? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's still the same. I'll cop it for more content, but like... It's not something I'd ever seek out. I'd much rather a sequel to Fury Road or, you know, and just another Mad Max separate to that, you know, like the same way that Fury Road shifted from that kind of, you know, you know, like pre-apocalypse Australia to, to, to this, to, you know, what Fury Road is like, if there was a similar shift again and it was just like a another kind of reimagining of it, I would have preferred that than this. But, you know, I'll trust George on it. I'm sure people will like it fine. Oh, no, that's all. I'm sure people will love it. Like, you know, there's probably a chance it comes out and has like another cult following, honestly. But it does feel weird that you're only going to see Tom Hardy play Man Max once. Yeah. And it's, I, I love Tom Hardy as, 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 as Max in that movie. I, I, I thought it was really great. Yeah. Well, I love that movie in general. I know you're not the biggest fan of it because you, it is a two hour car chase, but you know, like. Yeah. I like Tom Hardy in it, though. Yeah. And it feels weird that if you take on an iconic role like that, you do it once, you know? Hmm. So is Max not in this? or Not from what we know. I don't know, unless he's a cameo or something, but he's not a lead or anything. Well, I think I saw that this is going to span quite a few years from, like, early teen to, like, adulthood maybe or something like that. So there's every chance that Max might rock up towards the end. Hey, but that already sounds more interesting to me than Fury Road. Like you're saying it's spanning years. That means it must have some sort of long-term story. So that sounds cool to me. Yeah. Well, like it's, it's... It also sounds like it's a different sort of film, which might... Well, because it's not, not, it's not a Mad people. Max film. It's a Fury Rose. It's a Fury... 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 We all thought of it, damn it. <laughs> not Fury... Yeah. So, yeah, I might like it. I hope so. I hope that's the same aesthetic uh, as um fear. fear. So I'm not going to fucking bother with words. It's it's the <laughs> F's. It's it's the it's the F U R's today. Fury, you know? Fury, 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 yeah. Fury, 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 yeah. Powerpuff Girls live action. It, it, it was just the screenshots, right? I think we kind of got like we got like some kind of basic like character post type things and like some like behind the scene photos of like them shooting some kind of action scene. And it's a movie. I think it's a, it's a CW show. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. That recontextualizes it a bit more sense. <laughs> yeah. It makes a bit more sense, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's a Powerpuff Girls live action CW show or television show. Yeah, I'm right, pretty okay. sure it's CW. Are you a Powerpuff Girls fan, Fitzy? No, I don't think I've seen anything. I feel that's a question I never thought I'd ask you, but here I am. And you are, obviously, Jan. I mean, as a kid, yeah, it was one of the classics. What are their names? Bubble? Bubbles, Buttercup, and Blossom. Oh, Bubbles. Uh, okay. Uh, what's their... Vi- haven't they got, like, a villain? Yeah. I think Mojo. I'm just, I'm just trying to think. Oh, is he a monkey? Yeah, there's some kind of suffix to it, I'm pretty sure. Like, uh, like there's, there's something prior to it or post. I can't remember. Like, it's something Mojo. Mm. Mojo, Mojo. I think it's Mojo, Mojo. Actually. Yeah. Okay. But like, I think everyone's scared of like what he's going to end up looking like. <laughs> he looks like a Planet of the Apes out of the from the sixties or whatever. Yeah, that it's was. like some cursed human hybrid fucking thing. Oh my god, that'd be terrifying. 
Yeah, cool. Get like Jim Carrey to play him, like the Grinch. That's 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 what he's gonna end up looking at, uh, as honestly. Yeah. The Witcher season two is happening this year, confirmed, which I'm very excited about. They finished shooting a few weeks ago, and so I'm excited about this. I, I personally wasn't certain it was coming out this year. I thought next year, but it pisses yeah, me sorry. off that every time I go on Netflix and it's like a in the worth the wait section, it's like The Witcher, Ice and Blood, or whatever the fuck it is. I'm like. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> we have not seen a single thing about it, and you're constantly here promoting it. Just get out of my face. Fuck. I I, I hate it so much. <laughs> Fair enough. That show was huge for them, I think. I think it, like... And I'm, I'm glad, because how many Netflix shows do we talk about and hear about all the time that just get cancelled because there's that many of them and they sort of just fall by the wayside? But any plans to watch anyone? Yeah, I said I'd watch it. Well, I... I've seen the first half of the first season, so I said I'd continue on season two came out. So, yeah. Yeah. The season one finale is like a hype as shit moment. It's just like, it's like an end game hype moment. It's not it's not that good, don't get me wrong, but like, it's got a sick moment. But the main reason I, you know, I thought the show was solid season one. I enjoyed it. I wouldn't rave. But the reason I'm really excited and no spoilers, but is the fact that season one finished adapting the short stories and we officially season two is moving into the novels which means like season one felt a bit all over the place because every episode was just a random little adventure because they're adapting the short stories now we're actually moving into the core of the continuing narrative so that's why i'm really excited book three to seven or something something yeah yeah i think that's right yeah the season one adapted the first two short story collections yeah um okay so in that sense, like season one, that's why I thought it was like you know it was good, but it was basically just sort of character set up. All right, let's talk about some trailers. The devil made me do it. This is a conjuring. Cool. Yeah. What do you guys think? Tell me about it. I thought it was good. Um, I like the second conjuring, so I haven't seen the first. Have you one, seen but... them all? Oh, okay. Well, no, that, yeah. I know the second one. Is there more than um, that? Well, there's two conjurings, but then there's the whole conjuring verse. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right, and this is this is another con. How many of those are there? So you got the two conjurings, three Annabelles, the curse of oh. the weeping woman, and the nun. So I mean, like you got oh okay, there's a lot. Quite a few, there's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. So this is just another. Does this directly tie more into actual conjuring? Yeah. One so and two. Or? Yeah. So this is a direct sequel to the first two. Oh, okay. So this is essentially conjuring three. This is yeah, it is conjuring three. Oh, cool. That's exciting. What do you think, Jaden? Um, yeah, I thought it looks pretty good. I think The Conjuring is kind of like, you know, the pedestal for mainstream modern horror. You know, I think what the first two achieve is are really great. And I think, um, you know, when you look at the second Annabelle film and stuff, I think there's, you know, really great things you can grab onto in the series as well. So I'm really keen for this one. I think um, I love the stories of Ed and Lorraine Warren. I think that they're, they're, there's some really cool shit in there. So I'm, I'm very keen for this one. Are they played by anyone of note? Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Jaden didn't watch the the Shang Shang Chi. I think I, I think you meant to say Shang Chi. I don't honestly know Shang Chi. Whatever. Did you watch it, Fitzy? Yeah, yeah, I watched it. What do you think about it? Looks looks alright. Looks interesting. Uh, looks good. Mm, yeah. Did you not watch yeah. it as a Marvel? I watched it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I don't know how this happened, by the way. How did I turn into Marvel fan? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I feel like for years at high school, I was like the one that wasn't on the MCU train, and I feel like Endgame just did it. It just converted me. It was the opposite for me because I was the one that was on it, and then and, yeah, and then right? Infinity War and Endgame rocked around, and I I fell off it, and you kind of took my place. And I think mm. Thor Ragnarok sort of started it for me, like started the oh shit, no, this is this is cool, and then yeah. I, mean, I, I used to really be into um, the early, like the early stuff was like when you know, the Avengers and stuff were coming out. Dude, I forgot to say when I was watching the Winter, when I was rewatching the Winter Soldier, there's a warning at the start. There's like there's product placement in this film. I was like, that's brilliant. The fact that they have to acknowledge like the the, the placement's so obvious, and like someone must have complained or some shit that they have to acknowledge the fact that there's product placement in that film. Like that's funny that's as fuck. That's weird. Oh my god. Michael Bay would shoot someone if someone made to do that in his movie, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> oh, well, yeah, oh, yeah, about the trailer. Yeah, sorry. I don't know. I feel like I've had a weird arc with the No, no, you're right. That was funny. I've had a weird arc with the MCU, so. But Shang-Chi, I don't know. Yeah, it looks cool. 
Looks well shot. I know they shot a ton of it in uh, Sydney, I think. So that's cool. Um, or Melbourne too. They shot a ton of it here. I know for sure. I don't know where, but I don't know anything about this character at all. He's like a samurai. He's like a he's like a kung fu dude or something. He like martial arts. So all right. Yeah. You know, that's all you need, really. So he's like a martial arts dude, and he's got a. I don't know. I assume there's some. He'll get super powered somehow by something. That's neat. With the adaptation of this, do you think the MCU will ever end? It's a solid question to ask, and you know, to nitpick it, will it ever end? Yes. Will it end anytime soon? Yeah, like, no. <laughs> the thing is, like, they, they they can get away with adapting the, like these stories now. You know these these. Not you know is these these tier B stories, and they know they can get away with adapting and make hundreds of millions and stuff. They're at a point where they can just keep on doing whatever they want, you know. Yeah, totally. And if the stories resonate with people, it's cool, you know. Hmm. Now it's time for our highlights of the week. Fitzy, what have you been watching? M- movie called Irma Irma Vep. I don't know how to pronounce it, um, but it's like Irma Vep or something um, is my thing, my highlight. Um, it's this movie about Maggie Chung. She plays herself, and um, she's like on a French. She's on like a French movie set, um, and it's kind of you know an eight and a half kind of thing, like a movie about oh, no. making a movie. Yeah, you'd love it. Um, and it's just kind of like, um, yeah, you just, it, it's about the, like the chaos of the environment, I guess. And, um, like she's kind of, no one knows what's going on. It's kind of, I don't know. It's hard to talk about, I guess. Did you like it, Fitzy? I want to know. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, well, I love it. It's, it's, I gave it a 10 out of 10 because I, I really. Amazing. But I really I like find it hard to kind of talk about. So, fair enough. I don't know if I'd recommend it to any to you guys or. Oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I'd recommend it, Jane. Yeah, sure. Jane, what have you been watching? Dude, I watched a Netflix new movie, uh, Love and Monsters, the one with Dylan O'Brien and uh, Jessica Henwick, and uh, oh, okay. and Michael Rooker, and like I just wanted something. He's great. Yeah, and like um. I just wanted something that was a bit easy to watch because I don't know it was kind of, you know, you you know when you want to watch something easier, um, and I just thought this would be like kind of, you know, teen trash, but it's 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 so good. It's it's genuinely a good movie. Like it's it, it's one that I think you'd really appreciate, Liam. I reckon you could get behind it too. Um, like it's 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 funny. It's endearing. It's tense at times when it needs to be. It's you know it looks so good as well. Like the monsters and like you know like the the overall like the overall world design, you know the script is really funny and like witty and like like dude the dog that's in that film is probably the best animal actor ever. It is so precise in its movements and like intelligent in like the way they direct it and like the way they trained it. It's really amazing that it's it, that you know this is like an animal doing those actions, not like I don't know like some CGI shit. Like, like, dude, awesome. that dog deserves like an Oscar nom. Honestly, like he, it, it, it's almost it's like the best actor in the movie. Um, but like, it, it, it's a really brilliant like story overall, and like the, like it falls into like moments of melancholy. Like, there's this, there's this, there's this one one scene like later on in the movie where like he's kind of talking like to this robot, and like you know, and it's it's but it's it's such a odd scene to elicit that kind of emotion but it does it and it does it so brilliantly and yeah it's, it's just a really great film and like i love the way like it, it um it's highly stylistic in like it, it in its flashbacks and i really appreciate the way it's done because like um what's that effect you know like when like if you turn it up all the way you can see like the colors coming out of the lines you know what i mean is it well, I'd have to, is I'm it sorry, when to like the like you can see a bit of the like red or blue yeah or yeah that yeah, that happens to my computer sometimes. Like when I'm watching something normal, like, <laughs> probably shouldn't happen, be happening. But, but yeah, it doesn't as much, um, but, yeah. yeah, regardless of that, like like the, the way that he, they use that for the flashbacks is really cool. And yeah, regard, yeah, it, it's just a really great movie. It's 
truly like one of the better Netflix originals, you know, because it, it, it does just grasp you immediately and like takes you away a bit, you know. Awesome. Dude, I don't know if you could have possibly sold me more. I added it to the watch list right away. As always, now we hand the show over to you with our question of the show. Last week we asked you, what is your favourite Australian movie? What was your highlight of the week, Vinny? Oh, I've, sorry, literally, I should have said it at the start, nothing, didn't watch anything. Uh, Luke says, The Castle is one of those movies which has become a part of Australian culture. It's funny and witty. It has great quotes, that it does. I haven't watched it in a while, but I still remember it quite well. Beneath Hill 60 is also a good Australian movie. Albeit not explicitly set in Australia. Well, that's fine. It was no, it's in Australia. It's in Australia. It was also a nice movie we watched at school. Call back to last week's question. I think I responded to that Luke's comment with Tiffin. Which how else could you respond, really? Andy said, "Honestly, there are obviously a lot of better Aussie films that I've seen myself." Is he? I assume he's referring to like Australia here, because he's you bloody go through. You're you're totally right about that, Andy. But my favourite one is definitely BMX Bandits. I've never heard of this. That's just the one that popped into my head first. It's meant to be a fun, cheesy kids movie and doesn't take itself seriously. This is also Nicole Kidman's film debut here, at least I think so, and a much better Nicole Kidman film than Australia. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, I get it. The other Australia, yeah, yeah. So I was right. You were referencing at the start. That was good. That was good structural comment stuff there, Andy. Good stuff. You may check it out on Amazon Prime Video or Foxtel Go. Jaden may have seen it before. The Power of Letterboxd. Okay, so he he knew that a bit. He, he scoped you out there. It's pretty entertainingly weird, but cool. The villains are stupid but funny. The three lead characters are likable. The Aussie accents are plenty heavy. Pretty heavy. Probably should have just committed to saying plenty and it would have worked fine. The bike stunts, editing and sound effects altogether are so corny, but feels just right for an 80s film. Plus, there are teenage boys in this film that sound like they belong in 1930s Australia. What does that mean? Are they, like, really racist or something? Do they speak with, like, you know, like, 1930s narrator voice? You know that voice? I love that voice so I, I much. It's so good. So do I. I wouldn't even dare attempt it. You know, but you know what it's like? You go, like, deep and speak overly British or whatever. Wait, deep? In a walk, you know, when you're, like, in those commercials, like those. The, like the wall. Are we talking about the Like the thing? preview to the wall ones, like, you know, like. But like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, I, I feel like it's, because um, I remember Seth MacFarlane talking about it as well, but, like, often it's, it's, it's a lot higher than what it would be because, like, the microphones back then, they couldn't pick up all the frequencies. Like, they'd, they'd pick up the highest frequencies only, and they kind of, like, make the oh, voice like funny. that. Like, you know, that, you know? Oh, I'm, yeah. No, I'm it's like, that, that was kind of what I was imagining. But I, I, I do. I, you know, I, the, the deep voice, I, I know where you're coming from as well. So, I mean, like, yeah. You do something with your voice. <laughs> That's for sure. Were there any other responses, Fitzy? Yes. Got some Instagram. Donna said um, she had three answers. She said Red Dog... On file up and wish you were here. So there's that. Um, wish you were here. What is that? Hang on. I don't know. And then Residence, the film, said Hercules Returns. So yeah. What are these movies? Oh my god! I need to. Wait, is is Hercules Returns? That's not the Dwayne Johnson one. It's the other one. It's the Sam Worthington one, right? Oh, it's a redub. Australian film boss. Redubbed the 1964 Italian cheapy Hercules, Samson, Massist, and Ursus are invincible. Okay. It's an Australian redub of a Italian film. That's hilarious. Can you imagine? You can just make any movie Australian that way. Just redub any movie and just get like us to redub it. Well, no, yeah, like, um, it's too good the band, yeah, it sounds great. Woody Allen did the same <laughs> thing for his first movie. Because like... He turned like a like a Yakuza crime drama into like a like a comedy type thing, just by redubbing it. I mean, like you know, fuck Woody Allen for him, but like you know, it's it's a pretty creative way of you know getting was your that, film out yeah, there. That's weird. Was that banana or something? What's up, Tiger Lily? Oh well. Anyways, uh, my favorite Australian films. Uh, shout out to Red Dog. Haven't seen it in years. Always really liked it though, and uh, and just you know, by pure score, relics up there. Mm. For sure. I mean, I probably like the castle just from a 
enjoyment level more, to be honest. Like, The Cast is probably number one. But at least a solid movie. So, yeah. What about you, Jaden? The thing is, like, how do you define an Australian film? I was talking about it with Luke on, like, Wednesday night. Because on this, like, on, on Letterboxd, you know, you click on Sort by Australia and it says, like, The Great Gatsby and, like, The Invisible Man are Australian films. But, you know, I get that there are a cast and crew of Australians, but, you know, I'm going to define an Australian film as an Australian story, which is, you know, I, I think more fair. So I think going by that criteria, you know, and eliminating that stuff, I think, like, Animal Kingdom ends up quite high. You know, Mad Max and Berlin Syndrome kind of. But I, it's, it's kind of hard to... to I, 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 yeah, I think Animal Kingdom probably stands. No. No, Mad Max Fury Road does. Yeah, no. No, I'll, I'll say that. I, I, I truly love Mad Max Fury Road so much. And I mean, like, it's kind of ambiguous as to where the story takes place. But I mean, because it's because of the Mad Max history, you know, it is Australia. And, you know, so, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. No, I totally... Best definition ever. It's Australian story. That's why I like Invisible Beneath Your 60. Is, you know. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. tried to say, you know, it's not a setting, but like it's, it's nah. an Australian story. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Fitzy? Mine is Mary and Max, which is, um, um, it's an animated film. Animated by this guy who went to Victorian College of the Arts or something. Some, some subsect of Melbourne uh, University. Uh, I think he, he made it all by, he pretty much animated directed edited whatever did a lot of the work on it um and has tony collette and philip seymour hoffman i think and um oh shit really yeah it's, it's really great um it's like a relentlessly depressing movie but um it's really creative and written really well really smart um so it's basically about this this Australian girl, she writes letters to this um, kind of atypical guy in New York. Um, and the letters are really depressing because the girl has this really bad home life kind of and home situation and the guy in New York is kind of like neurotypical. He finds life really difficult and so they just kind of write write each other these letters to like, you know, deal with their lives. And, um, and the movie's just kind of about their connection and follows them throughout the years, throughout the little girl, you know, growing up and stuff, doing it to an adult and stuff. And, um, it's got, it's animated really well. It's got a really great soundtrack. I think you might've even heard the soundtrack from somewhere. Cause it's like really kind of, I think it's pretty popular, pretty iconic. Um, and yeah, it's a really great animated film. So yeah. I'm so I'm so glad we did this question. I've learned about like three movies out here I've never heard of. Alright. Very cool. The more you learn. That's it for this week's episode of Cinema Effect. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Fitzy, next week's film is Well, next week's film is not a film. It's um oh, a TV show. What? Yeah. What? It's called um, <laughs> Cinema Effect Two. <laughs> it's called um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's a Disney Plus production. So, yeah, all the episodes are now on Disney Plus. Check that out if you wish. Uh, write a review, you know, why not? And, yeah. Um, yeah. It just it's, it's, it, it's popular. We know you've seen it, all right? That's why we're doing this. We, we're being hip with the kids. Well, Andy hasn't seen it. We know it. you've seen it. Oh, Andy can binge it. That's fine, you know. We, just, we can just fall. I can just go over there and force him to binge it. That's fine. But... <laughs> We know you've seen it, so write in your review for it. Just an extra encouragement there. We want to hear what you have to say because I'm interested to talk about it personally. But, yeah, whatever. Anyway, thanks a lot, guys, for joining me this week. Much appreciated. I think you can do better than a, a Writers Guild person, whatever they are. Yeah. Hey, Tony Gilroy is awesome most of the time. So I'm not saying I'm better than you, Tony. I'm sorry. But, man. Anyway, I loved how genuine your nod was then too. I love this video <laughs> component. I just saw it. It was like, yeah, yeah. I, I felt that nod, you know. We'll catch you all next week. Have a good one and goodbye.